Our head, our head deacon has exited the building. All right, y'all. It's good to be in God's house tonight, isn't it? Let's pray for Brother Terry this evening. He took a fall in case anybody doesn't know. Of course, I'm sure the whole church knows. We, Sister Ashley was doing surgery on him back there a little while ago. And, and, uh, and, and so we had a good group gathered around him. Here you go, Brother. You need this? Oh, I need glasses. Okay. So we've got a lot of physical ailments going on this evening. But uh, now, uh, Brother Terry, there, uh, Sister Bobby, they're running up to the uh, urgent care. Going to get him checked out. Make sure he's okay. Check on him for sprains, issues like that. So y'all pray for him. I'm glad to be in church on a Wednesday night, aren't y'all? I'm telling you, uh, old brother Morris Hogs, that used to say, I'd rather be here than in the best jail I can, I can name. And uh, I'm glad to be here, free to worship the Lord, saved by the grace of God. It's good to be saved, ain't it? Amen. So I tell you what let's do, church, tonight, just for a little while. Brother Ron's fixing to come around and lead us in song. Let's uh, take our gaze, if our, if, our, if our vision, if our gaze or our sight is anywhere else besides Jesus Christ tonight, let's, by the help and the grace of God, let's shift that up a little bit. Let's look at Christ. Let's gaze at Him. Let's stare at Him. Let's let the Lord do His work in our heart. I promise you, if you look at Christ for long, something's going to happen. And uh, let's look at Him tonight. Let's pause. Let's... Just for a moment, quieting everything down in our hearts, in our minds, all the noise up here that happens through the week, all the forces and the principalities and the power that does their best to break that gaze from Christ. Let's just settle down in the body of Christ, in the church. That's what, that's what this gathering right here is. Let's settle in, look to Jesus. Let's thank on Him for a little while tonight. I'm glad I'm saved, aren't you? Brother Ron, come along. And uh, we got a lot of business to get to at the end of the service tonight in preparation for Sunday morning, but we're not going to rush anything. Come on, sing, Brother Ron, however the Lord leads. We're glad to be at church tonight. Come on, brother. Amen. <clears throat> Page uh, 179. No, I don't have my glasses. <laughs> 179. <laughs> I'll travel the world, but if I 
this evening and allow you to uh, worship the Lord through giving to missions tonight. Thank God for missions. Thank God for missions. Thank God for missions. If it wasn't for missions, uh, you and I wouldn't have the gospel tonight. And uh, there was a missionary one time years ago by the name of the Apostle Paul that uh, made his way into Macedonia. As a result of that, Macedonian uh, believers were born, churches were formed, the gospel began to spread, and uh, blessed be the name of God. It made its way one day all the way throughout Europe, made its way over to an island over there in Great Britain. Souls kept getting saved, years kept passing on, and somehow or another, a few boats took off from England, headed over here. They was preaching the gospel when they got here. And your great, 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 great grandparents heard it somewhere, on and on and on and on. And here we sit tonight at Murrayville Baptist Church. God's good grace as a result of men obeying the call and women loving Jesus and following Christ and the gospel spreading. And I thank God that he's able to get his word out, aren't you? So we want to take part in that tonight. You give as the Lord directs you. And uh, thankful again for the opportunity to be here. Brother Jeff. Won't you pray for us, brother? Ask God to bless the service and the offering tonight. think about what we're singing. 143.
it again. Let's do it again. Those words are great, aren't they? Really good. From all the hustle out there, from Janet, from what we had to put up with today at work. Isn't it nice just to take a minute, like Brother Jay said, come in here and realize that he's ours. And we can relax right here. Let's sing it again. Please think about it. probably don't have it up there, but uh, I think everybody knows Beulah Land, don't they? For some reason, that was on my mind when they were taken up right before they took up offering. Beulah Land.
dog, but if you take a puppy that has the right genetics, you can take that dog out in the woods. If you just take it and take it and take it and take it, take it, it don't need to see a coon. It don't need, not no more. Is that it? It don't need to see a coon. It don't need to have a coon shot out to it. Some people think, oh, it's got to get blood. And no, no, it's inside of that dog. And I've never seen heaven. I've never physically felt his nail-scarred hands. But the new creature he's made me inwardly, I'm a citizen of a different country. And that's why when we get to singing about heaven, I start looking that direction. There's something inside of every Christian that's got a longing to go home. You know that feeling? You can be on a great vacation and be ready to go home in about two or three days. Is that right? There's something about home. We're going to check out of here in a few days, church. I'm ready to see him, aren't you? Glad I'm saved. Well, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four. We want to pray here in a little while. We have much to pray over. Brother Jeff already mentioned it in his prayer. Sister Sam, Brother Leo. You remember Brother Terry, Sister Carolyn. There's just so much to pray about in our church tonight. Brother Rick. Um, so much to pray, but we want to mention that here shortly and uh, pray. But I want to look back at Continue our series, if you'll have it, our lessons, if you'll have that, on this subject of what is the church. What is the church? So we're going to start, we'll actually end up in Ephesians chapter number 4, but when you found your place in Ephesians chapter number 4, um, I want you to turn over with us really quickly, really quickly to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew 16, hold your place in Ephesians, turn to Matthew 16, as we have been doing, and then Acts chapter number 20, Acts chapter 20, and hold your place in Matthew 16, and go to Acts chapter number 20. We're going to be doing just a little bit of turning tonight, some of these are just going to be for context, where we've already been, some things we've already discussed, but we'll be brief tonight. And I, I'm, I'm enjoying this study for my own self on what is the church. And, uh, and I, I hope it's being fruitful to you. And uh, we'll, we'll stay here as long as the Lord wants us to be here. I certainly could spend the rest of my ministry teaching along this subject line. But uh, if the Lord will help us, we want to be faithful to do that tonight. I tell you what, let's start in Acts chapter number 20 since you're there. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The church is his, amen? It's not mine. One of the boys was out just... Uh, just a little while ago, um, and we was just joking around and jostling around, and one made a statement right there. He, he said, uh, be careful. 
that's the pastor. He owns the church. And I was quick to tell the boys, no, I don't own the church. And the teachers don't own the church. Uh, the elders don't own the church. Deacons don't own the church. Uh, uh, there's not a committee that owns the church. Jesus owns the church. And he purchased it. When you own something, uh, you, that means that at some given point you have purchased it. And the church is what he owns. Now, what's he doing? Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew chapter number 16, Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 18, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ephesians chapter number 4 is where our text will be. So we made it through verses 1 through 6. We're going to be looking now from verses 7 on. I don't know how far we'll get, but we'll read at least these first three verses of, our, of 7 through 9, um, maybe 7 through 10. But that every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Say this with me, church. And gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all things that he might feel all things. What is the church? We made the, uh, the observation that if we went around the building tonight and, and asked that question to all of us, we can be sure that in a lot of places that if we took a poll amongst churches, let's just say in Hall County, that question, that answer might be very varied. Um, we made the statement that we ask the question, rather, what is the nature of the church and what is the function of the church? We said this, that the church, just by way of review, that the church, the word itself simply means in the Greek, ekklesia, that is the called out. So that does not mean that the church is a place that we go. That does not mean that the church is brick and mortar, or a parking lot, or four walls, a sanctuary, a piano, a sound booth, Sunday school rooms, a pastor's study, a, 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 a fellowship hall. That's not what the church is. What the church is, is those that have been called out individually, but are joined together by an operation that only God can do. It's not a building, an institution, a denomination, a style, a methodology, a group, inside of a group, inside of a group. No, the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that if you see a brother who believes on Christ, believes the gospel, 
believes the gospel, believes the gospel, he's your brother and she's your sister. And whether you see it or not, you're one with them. Now, there may be doctrinal issues that peripheral things we disagree on. But if you're saved and I'm saved, I'm one with you and we ought to act like it. I say we ought to act like it. We, we made the observation, there's a broadcast on the radio, a call in. I'm saying this for some review. Some of you have not been here. Some of you have. But there was a broadcast, a call in. A man called in and said, what do I look for in the church? A very large nation, nationwide Christian radio broadcast. And the, the panel of people there, of esteemed Christian delegates, uh, said there's three things that you ought to look for when you're looking for a church, fellowship, caring, and sharing, and uh, I submit to you that all three of those things can be found in a bar, in a drink house, a tavern. All of those three things can be found there. So that's not what you look for when you look for a church. Another article was written, I said this, that there were several things that were listed on what most importantly attracted people. The number one thing that attracted people was parking. Uh, the second was style, third was comfort, fourth air conditioning, fifth nursery. I'm shocked. Um, that's, that's, that's not what the church is. Those may be attributes that exist at a local place where the church gathers, but the parking lot has nothing to do with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with the work of God going forward. It has nothing to do with that. It's a wonderful convenience and we glorify God for it. He's given it. So then we will use it for His glory. But tonight the church can be identified by its love for Christ which in turn produces a Christ-likeness in the church's love for the world. We identified that if the church fails, it doesn't fail in its strategies or connecting with cultures or connecting with marketing or it doesn't fail uh, when, 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 it, when, it, when it doesn't get on board with and compete with what other assemblies are doing, it fails when we've lost sight of Christ and failed to love His Word. That's where the church fails. And our attitude to the only authority, which is, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word, our attitude towards Him and towards His Word, I say our attitude towards Him and towards His Word reveals whether or not we desire a true church. Our attitude towards Him and towards His Word reveals in us and outwardly to others around us whether we desire a true church. As a pastor, I'm not responsible to be compelled by opinions as members, as elders, as teachers, as ministers, as workers, as those that God has given gifting to Giftings to, you're not compelled to be uh, drawn by opinions, but rather our question should be, what does the king command me as his slave to do on behalf of him in his kingdom? 
That's our, that's our question. That's our motive. That's what, that's what we see. All right, so quick, quick, I've got I've to move quick. I was going to review lesson two, but I think we need to go ahead and just jump in to lesson one. Just by a short way of review, we ask what should the church be? Um, we, we dealt with the first six verses of Ephesians chapter number four. Now we're moving into the seventh. Uh, we did make the statement, I will say this, throughout the Old Testament, Israel was referred to as a family bride, branches, and a kingdom. In the New Testament, the church is referred to by as the same, but there's one thing that the church is referred to in the New Testament that the nation of Israel was never referred to, and that is a body. A body. It's a New Testament metaphor for what the church is. Is We are the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are its members. Now in Ephesians chapter number 4 verses number 7, Paul says this, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. What we've seen in the previous three verses is unity. Is unity, that the church must be unified. What are we unified around? Verse 21 of Ephesians chapter number 3. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Whether it's the first century church, the second century church, the church at Pentecost, the church in the dark ages, the church in the sixth century, the church in the tenth century, the, the church in the twentieth or the twenty-first century. Unto him be glory by Christ Jesus. This is the motto. This is the mantra. This is the drive of the individuals that are in the whole of the body, the church. Glory to the Lamb that was slain. Not to me, not to agendas, not to this, not to that, not to you. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. It is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul goes on into verse 1 of chapter number 4. I, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Look, I'm his prisoner. I'm his bond servant. I'm his slave. I'm his servant. I am his son. And he said, I beseech you. That is, I beg you. I beg you based on everything I've just told you in Ephesians chapter numbers 1 through, verse, through chapters number 3. I am literally begging you, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called, wherewith you are called. So how do you do that? Well, you do it with lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you're called and the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. It is Him, it is Him, it is Him, and it is one, it is one, it is one. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. It is not in numbers. The number we are to see is the number one. There's no break in the body of Christ, there's no schism. In the there's no click in the body of Christ. There's no club in the body of Christ. There's no break in the body of Christ. And hey, listen, be careful here 
Be very careful here. I've seen, God help me. I've seen some places so fragment the body internally. I think it's wonderful that we have a youth group. I think it's wonderful that we have the young people. I think it's wonderful that we have uh, middle-aged singles, uh, young adult singles. I think it's wonderful that we have married young couples. I think it's wonderful we have middle-aged married couples. I think it's wonderful that we have senior Christians. But hear me well, church. This is one body. This is one body. There's no break. There's no pull. The body is one. And we don't gather as five separate, separate bodies in this place. We gather together as one to worship the one and love him and praise him and adore him and learn of him. And learn of how we are to respond to him and his word. One body. Now. There must be unity, and that's the theme in verses 2 through 6. A body cannot be separated. A body can't be separated. It can, but there's going to be massive problems if it is. Do any of y'all want to cut your hand off this evening? No. No, not a one of us. Even Brother Terry's fall, just a moment, and I say this honestly, I thought about it. I thought about it as he, even his fall that left just pieces of skin behind, off the, on the ground, that fell off during his fall, caused him immense pain. He's going to the urgent care right now. He wouldn't have went if we all had not have encouraged him. But his body received an injury. Those in our congregation, those that you know are sick, Issues going on in the body, the body not functioning right. There's disharmony somewhere in the body. Whether that's been through injury or internal injury. Now let me get the text and we'll move on. The church is a body and it cannot be separated. We've already seen that it's built on Christ, that He owns it. It's His. We've seen that it's one body, not two, not three, not four, not five. And the reason that it is one body is because there is one Lord. There is one Spirit. There is one hope. There is one faith. There is one baptism, one God, one Father of all. One Father of all. However, our unity is established in Christ. But He leads us into what we're about to see in verses 7, 8, 9, and so forth, that our unity is to be kept in our diverseness, in our diversities. Here we are tonight. Verse number 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. There is so much preaching in verse number 8 that I cannot, I'm, I'm, I've, I had to make a choice when looking at this. Maybe we'll look at it next week. The, the latter half, or rather the, the middle half of that, the captivity captive, so much happening there. But tonight I want to deal with this. It's on my heart to deal with this. When he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, that is his church, he bound the forces of hell. Let me just say that. Every single one of them. 
Christ, when he, when he resurrected, when he rose again, brother Lord, through the power of God, through the power of the living Christ, resurrection power, every single power and force of Satan, he put it in chains. Put it in chains. Now, I would love to spend the rest of our lesson there, but I, I've got to get to our diverseness, these gifts. So that's the direction we're going to go. Our diverseness, our diverseness comes from the re realizing that we are a body. Our unity is dependent on each individual function of the body. Our unity, our unity is dependent on that. Functioning in a healthy way. And the healthy way depicted is verses 1 through 6 of chapter number 4 based on verse 21 of chapter number 3. A Christ-centered, Christ-gazing, Christ-loving unity. Implied lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, and patience with one another. Whenever the body is dysfunctional, whenever something is going wrong in the body, something is not in unity. There's something that's off, an imbalance somewhere. So we said the key to unity is diversity. Now, diversity is a popular word in our day and time, is it not? I mean, I, I don't know about y'all, but I am just about sick and tired of hearing the word diversity, 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 diversity. Some of our teachers in here have probably had some diversity training. I don't know. Um, it's a popular word these days. There was an interesting article that came out not long ago from a Baptist pastor in Orlando, Florida, of a very large church there. He was trying to describe diversity of his church. And this is a quote from him. I kid you not. This is a quote from him. He said, we have a diverse, welcoming, multicultural gathering of people. We have transgender, LGBTQ, straight, single, married, divorced, and cohabitating people. They're all attending together. They attend. They listen. They serve. They grow. They give. We have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and non-registered people. We have documented and undocumented. We have pro-life, pro-choice. We support the blue and the Black Lives Matter sitting together, serving together. We have Trumpers and never-Trumpers. We have Biden and Harris support. Listen, I can't go on any further. That's nauseating. That is not the diversity of the body of Christ that we're talking about tonight. What we're talking about in the body of Christ when we say diversity, the diversity of, of the church is based on the fact that God has given grace to individuals with a multitude of backgrounds. Every single one of us in here have a different background, a different story, a different family that we came from, a different lineage that we came from, a different ancestry that we came from. Every single one of us have different and diverse backgrounds. But there's one thing that each of us diverse people can say is that somewhere along the line, Jesus Christ made a stop in your life somewhere. 
and said, I'm here and the show's about to change. Your destination's about to change. Your life is about to change. You're no longer going to be the same person you were. I'm going to make something new out of you. The grace of God that has worked in our life. Grace has been given. In verse number 7, But unto every one of us is given grace. 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 Grace is our story. Grace is our song. Grace is our creed. John said it this way, grace for grace. Which is to say, grace on top of grace, on top of grace, on top of grace. New grace, new grace, new grace. That is the song of the beloved of God tonight. So this grace is more than saving faith. And as we look at what we're looking at, let us keep in mind that even beyond the grace of saving grace, there's more grace. Saving grace would be like in chapter number 1 and verse number 8, wherein He hath abounded unto us in, in all wisdom and prudence. Chapter number 2 and verse number 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In chapter number 2 and verse number 10, for by or rather in verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. But this exceeding grace that goes beyond even... That's enough grace, church, to shout for the rest of eternity. But the exceeding grace that we've been given... Look in uh, chapter number 3 and verse number 8 of Ephesians. Chapter number 3 and verse number 8. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What Paul is saying, the operation that is in the body that is going on, not only did he save me, but the exceeding grace is that he gives me grace to function in the ministry, in the work of the body, to glorify him. We are given grace to minister in this body. Every single one of you that are saved tonight, by the grace of God, there is grace that is given to you to minister to the body. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Every single one of us have a gift from God that does what? That... In verse number 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Till we all come into the unity of the, of the faith to the measure of a full man in Christ Jesus. That we henceforth be not children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning and craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. No, we exercise this gifting from the Lord that we have that are, that are varied in each of us. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I've got to kick it in high gear and hurry. So, this exceeding grace we've seen is that God gives grace by measure to those that are in His body. We are given grace to minister in His body in order that we all may come into Christ-likeness, into a vision of Christ, a love of Christ. 
a loyalty to Christ, a fellowship with Christ, a knowledge of Christ. Now, in Ephesians chapter number 1 and verse number 23, the Bible says, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So understand this, that anything we say going forward about the giftings in Christ, it is all him. It's not you and it's not me. It's not my gift. It's a gift that he has given me that operates by his fullness. He, Christ is the fullness in the church that filleth all things. This is the grace we speak of in Christ. In all reality, this grace that is given is Christ in me ministering Christ to you. And that is what God does in you. He, he, he supplies everything in the body, every joint, everything that's needed in your faith, in your walk. And He does that through His Spirit, the, the unity in the Spirit, and through the, the grace that He ministers through every joint in the body. And He fills all things in all. With that being said... Christ gives individual believers gifts in order to minister to the body. <clears throat> Each one of us have been given an individual gift that differs. They are diverse. And their use is to bring us into unity of the knowledge of the Son of God and grow up into a full stature of a man in Christ Jesus. In verse number seven, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That word measure, it's a Greek word, metron. It, it simply means a specific measure. Some thinks that some believe and think that verse number seven just speaks of the general gift of God, but that word in verse number seven but unto every one means individually. Hecostos in the Greek, each and every. So really quick, in Romans chapter number 12, we're, we're, we may nail down here for a little while, um, and we'll be coming back to Ephesians chapter number 4, but in Romans chapter number 12, verse number 3, for I say, through the grace given unto me, you see that there? The grace of God, it's all grace coming from Him. To every, that's that exceeding grace. To every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Boy, do we have an outbreak of that in the church. Men and women thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to think from the pulpit to the back row. God help us, church. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now in Ephesians chapter number 4, he is speaking of the measure of grace that's been given to every man. But in Romans chapter number 12, he's speaking of the measure of faith that's being given. So the gift comes to you by grace. And then God gives you a measure of faith to utilize that gift.
Measure of faith. God meets out to you a measure of grace in the form of a gift and a measure of faith to operate that gift. By His grace, through the power of Christ that filleth all in all, hallelujah, having gifts that differ. In verse number 6 of Romans chapter number 12, having then gifts differing, According to the grace that is given to us. I noticed that the Apostle Paul did not say talents. Or abilities. Or natural ways about you. These are not gifts that are just natural to you. And your talents. These are, you say, I'm not that talented, Brother Jay. The Lord's not so much interested in your talents as He is in you using the gift by faith through grace that He's given you to use in the body. It's what God gives. That's what we need. We've seen what man can give. We've seen 2,000 years of church history of the best that man has to offer. But Christ has a body that he's operating. Now, number one, are you a part of that body? Number two, if you are a part of that body, you have a gift that he's given by grace in a measure of grace. And then he's also given a measure of faith for you to be able to operate that gift by the power that's in you, which is Christ that fills all things in all. All right. Romans 12, 3 through 8. I'm at 32 minutes right now. Are y'all Okay. Amen. I'm not going to tell you how many more minutes. We're going to try to narrow it down. Romans 12, 3 through 8 lists these gifts. This is the text. Let's go ahead and hurry up and get on into this. Well, let's read verse number 4. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. Okay? So that is a... that, that there, there are offices... It doesn't run like this now, you understand? It runs like this. And God has selected certain offices for certain things. So we're not talking about a hierarchy in the church. We're talking about a unity in the church. So he says, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. You cannot separate yourself from me and I cannot separate myself from you. And it is a shame in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I told you last week, the Corinthians had so, 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 so many problems. Obviously, the, the, the depth of them, Paul, Paul outlined in that book of 1 Corinthians, that letter of 1 Corinthians, but one of the first main points that he made where there was a problem was, I've heard there's divisions among you. You see, the body is not going to be able to operate, church, if there's divisions inside the body. So he says, every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Prophecy, that is preaching or proclaiming. Preaching or proclaiming the word of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a gift. Not every man is called to preach. Right? Men? Not every man is called to preach. 
that, that gift of preaching or prophesying, God gives to me. And never has there been a woman who has ever preached, okay? Can I get a witness, church? Come on, I need some help. Now, I understand we should all be preachers or heralds of the gospel, and that is exactly right. But there is a gift of prophecy, of preaching. What is prophecy? Prophecy is going public with the Word of God. Whatever God has said, we preach. That is a gift. He goes on and says, or ministry. In verse number seven, or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. I, I can't deal with that second statement, but I, let me deal with the first word, ministry. That, that particular word uh, it means serving. Now, we should all be doing elements of some of these gifts, but some of us have the gifts of these things in areas that others do not. This is what the scripture teaches. Ministering. Another gift is a gift of teaching. Some are good teachers. And let's be honest, church, some are just not. Can I get a witness right there? I know I'm not the only one that, that, that knows that, right? There are some teaching that is tough to bear with. And then there is other teaching where man has been gifted to teach. Can I get a witness? We've got some good gifted teachers at Murrayville, and I thank God for that. See, these are not gifts that you gave yourself. They're gifts that God gave by grace through the measure of that gift of grace. And through the measure of faith, you operate in that gift. Another has the gift of exhorting, a parakaleo. That means one that provides comfort. And I just got to be honest, church, there's some in the body that gives more comfort than others. Hello? But have you noticed there's some in the church, Brother Matt, that can just come up and give a word of encouragement? You're thinking of people right now. You're thinking of individuals right now who have a gift of, who, of exhortation. That word parakaleo comes, comes, comes from the root word paraclete. A comforter. A comforter. One who comforts. Let me say this. G giving. All right, listen, church. One that exhorteth on exhortation. One he that giveth. That word means uh, giving liberally or people that have a gift of giving. There's some people that are just, that, that have a gift of just giving. They give and they give and they give and they give. It's a gift from God to give. I can already tell I'm not going to have any time for this. You'll like this one. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth. That, that word comes, it's a prostami. It, it means to be a protector. To be a bulldog. Sister Lynn's over here looking, looking to her right. Y'all know some, 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 some good sheepdog in the church. Some protectors. 
some protectors, some that's just not gonna that's just not gonna let someone that maybe doesn't have that maybe aggressive edge, if you'll have it, in love to handle a problem that needs to be handled. Huh? I may have had some walk up to me in the church since I've been pastor and say, now look, if you've got a problem, you come to me. And we'll handle it. There haven't been no problems, church. I'm just saying. There's some with the gift of that ability. Church, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me explain something to you. I'm not going to be able to cover this, and I'm done tonight. But your gift has been given to you by grace. And I promise you, some have asked, well, I don't, I don't know what my gift is. He knows what it is, and he's given it to you by grace, and it operates through his faith. It's not yours. Faith is a gift from God. It is a gift from God in salvation, and bless his name, it is a gift from God in service. Brothers and sisters, we do not operate in our own strength, in our own ability. We operate in the power of the risen Christ that lives inside of you and I. Now don't get upset with your brother or your sister that doesn't have the gift that you have. Let me say that one more time. I don't need my liver acting like my heart. I don't need my kidneys acting like my, I don't know, right toe. No, the body is diverse. We are one. We are one. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God, one Father, one body. But we are diverse in the gifts that we have. Now exercise that gift. You say, Brother Jay, I, I, think I, I think I may have the ability to encourage. There's some I didn't even get to. There's some in Ephesians we're going to get to. We're going to get to those next week. On part 3.5 of what is the church. But your gift has been given to you by God to minister to the body. That means when I'm in need, another part of the body supplies. And when you're in need, another part of the body supplies. Aids, sins, help, encourages, lifts up, guards, protects praise for, on and on and on. And all of this should be done through what we've seen in Ephesians chapter number 4. Meekness, lowliness, patience, forbearing. We don't get frustrated with each other. That just means not to get... Uh, let's, God help us. But when the church ceases to be the church is when we have lost sight of what we are as it is laid out for us in Scripture. As it's laid out for us in Scripture. And then we, then we start, start comparing our body to what 
other so-called bodies are doing. Now, listen, church, we're not competing with any, with any other body on what anybody else does. What we at Murrayville, and I say this for all of us, I believe that this is true of all of us, we are trying, like the Bereans did, to look at the Scripture and say, Master, what would you have from me? How may I know you? How may I love you? And how may I minister to the body as a whole? You're not just someone who comes in and sits down on a pew and goes back home. He's given you a gift by grace to be utilized through faith. Use it. Use it. You have a place in the body. And I want to tell you something. Not only is it important, it's necessary. And the body hurts when you're not using your gift. Now maybe from this week to next week, you can just study and think on, think on, uh, think on these things. Think and pray about your gift. Go to Romans chapter number 12 later. Not right now. I'm not asking you to turn. Read Romans Chapter number 12, those first few verses. Go to Ephesians chapter number 4. Read those verses. Ask God to show you. Some of you know what your gift is. Some of you may have one or two. It's the reason Paul said not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think is because these gifts have been given by God and they are empowered by God. They're not yours and they're not mine. There are some men I know, Brother Tim, that has the most incredible gifts. I'll give you one. I won't, I won't mention his name because he would not want me to mention his name. But it's a dear brother Christian, one of the most incredible preachers I've ever heard in my life. An absolute gifted man of God was recently, recently approached. I was told this by the man who approached him. Wanted him to come to his conference. He had, a, he had a conference, Bible conference. Wanted him to come to it and said, Brother, I want you to come. Now, this man has seen great movings of God. And if I told you the place that he had seen them, many of you would know, saw great movings of God in his ministry, was involved and preached around. This, this young man wanted him to come to the conference and tell about all those stories of what he had, what he had been involved in and what he had seen done. He said this. He said, brother, in response to the question, he said, brother, please don't be mad at me. He said, but I can't tell you anything that I've been involved in. He said, I can come and tell what other men have, have done, have been involved in, and how God's used them. He said, he said, but I don't think Christ would be pleased if I... That's what Paul's after there. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But God has formed this thing in such a way and given you a gift for the operation of the body that you supply, you're fitly joined together. Christ knows your frailties. Christ knows where you're weak. Listen, where, where you may not have a strong gifting, others may. And don't be frustrated when the kidney ain't acting like a lung. All right? Don't get mad. And we try just to lump every individual member in the same. We try to make, if we're a kidney, we want everybody to be a kidney. And that's the truth. 
If we're a liver, we won't ever... I found out the liver has 500 different functions in your body. It is the second largest organ in your body. Just recently found that out. I had some... Anyway, I ain't going to go into that. Charlie can answer all your questions. My enzyme levels are perfectly fine now. Praise the Lord. But I had some issues with it. This has been, this has been several months ago. And enzyme levels. So I learned all about how the liver functions. 500 different things it does. But the liver still cannot be the spleen. So thank God for what you have. And thank God for what the, for what the Lord has given the other person. The other member of the body. Because we're all one. And at some point in time or another, that gift's going to help you. We are diverse in our giftings. But we are one in Christ. Think on these things, would you? Amen. Thank the Lord. Well, <clears throat> let's do this. Um, tonight, I want, to, I want to talk about just a couple of things. It won't take just a couple minutes and we're going to 